Come on, everybody, it's the inside trip. So crack a high life and take a sip on that T-I-T. Get up and scream, and you can spell it backwards. You know what I mean. Your boy Brando in the house tonight. Gonna lay it down smooth and keep it tight. When Ben Watson gets on the mic, you better get ready because he brings the hype. It's about that time you already know that nasty trip, this nasty flow. The inside trip that is the show. Don't wind up on your back, bro. What's up, wrestling fans? We are back. It's the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast, coming at you with episode number 96. My name is Brandon Olinger, and join with me, as always, my favorite podcast bro host, Ben The Law Watson. What up, what up, what up? You know what's up, my man? What's up? Oh, that U.S. Open. Ooh, man. That was what's up. I heard. I heard it was cool. Uh, there's some wrestling there. There was a couple people that were good at wrestling, and they wrestled each other. And there were some crazy matches, man. Oh my goodness! Well, I can't wait to hear you talk all about it. Let's do it, baby. Myself, I was at a camping trip all weekend with my daughter for Girl Scouts, sleeping out in 30 degree weather, <laughs> pouring down rain. Oh, oh man. my daughter slept in a lodge with the dads no. had to sleep in tents outside. Dads had to sleep in tents. Yeah. Did you at least get some Girl Scout cookies? No, they didn't have no Girl Scout cookies there. I'm over it. I'm over it. Not doing it. I was so upset. Oh, man. But nah, she had a good time. You loved it because your daughter probably had an amazing time, and that's what's most important. She did, but I starved, I froze, and I'm tired. <laughs> so tired. You're tired. I'm You're so hungry. tired. <laughs> you got trench rot on your feet. <laughs> I don't have that. It's just a nightmare. It's a nightmare. But, hey, it's all for, it's all for the greater good, huh? Yeah, all for the greater good. So as I said, it's the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast, episode number 96. You can find us on Twitter at the Inside Trip one yes. Got that Facebook page, The Inside Trip. You know Granny Girdle's been out there liking Granny Ben's Girdle posts. Granny Girdle's been liking my posts. You haven't been posting anything lately. In fact, I got a, I got a notification on my phone that said, 186 <laughs> people haven't heard from you in like seven months. Well, well it's only 186 people. <laughs> so Granny Girdle's going back and liking my posts. She's loving them. She hit me up on DM. She did not. She's like, where you at, son? <laughs> that did not happen. I know um, it's been a minute since, we, since, you know, since we've hit him up. But, hey, you know, we got lives, too. But we're going to drop a good one for you tonight. You can post other things other than the podcast. You know that, right? All right I'll start posting stuff about uh, Game of Thrones. Thank you. It was a great episode Ooh, last no night. Spoilers. No spoilers. We won't spoil it, but holy shit. <laughs> I'm about to spoil it. it no, do not. If you don't watch Game of Thrones, you should. Can't believe Jon Snow died. God damn it, Brandon! <laughs> you're, you're a, you're a. Well, don't listen one. to a word he says. Anybody that hasn't seen this, don't listen to a word he says. <laughs> now we got to post spoiler alert for Game of Thrones on our damn podcast. No, we don't. All right. No, we don't. All right. Uh, we even got an Instagram. It's the Inside Trip. <laughs> Out there taking selfies and posting selfies. I think that's what you're supposed to do. I don't know. I've been taking them. I haven't posted them. I don't know how. i got like 50 of them lined it's up. It's a good thing. I know. Oh, and if you want to send us an email, you can do so to the inside trip one at gmail.com. As for the podcast itself, you guys know where to find it. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Spreaker, all that good stuff. Go out there, find the podcast, subscribe to it, download the episodes, give it a listen. If you like what you hear, even if you don't like what you hear, give us a little rate and review. Yeah, baby. So, tonight's episode... 
Tonight's episode, we got the U.S. Open we're going to talk about. Uh, we got the upcoming Beat the Streets New York City event coming up next Monday. We got a little uh, little interview coming on later at the end of the podcast for you guys. Alex Williamson, uh, communications coordinator for Beat the Streets, is going to come on this podcast with us and give us a little bit of a, a preview or rundown or what's going on with BTS NYC. I'm looking forward to that. I am too. I, I can't wait to talk to her. So it's going to be a good episode. Let's just kick it off by saying, can I just say... Yanni D is the truth. Oh my goodness. Is he not the truth? I don't know what to say about him that hasn't already been said on Twitter, but oh my gosh. I mean, by the time it got to him versus Zane Rutherford, I tweeted out like, hey, oh my goodness, this is a toss-up. You know, this is a toss-up match between Yanni and Zane. whereas before this weekend, people would, would fillet me if I said it was a toss-up in favor of Zane. And it, it, towards the end of me saying it was a toss-up, people were filleting me by thinking that it was a toss-up because Zane could actually compete with Yanni. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is Zane Rutherford. I think it just goes to show how fickle sports fans are in general. Look, we're all guilty of it. But, Ben, look, you and I had conversations at the NCAA tournament in sure. Pittsburgh, you know, in between sessions and whatnot about could Yanni be the guy that solidifies this spot at 65 kilograms, a spot that we have struggled to perform well and win medals at internationally over the last I don't know how many years, probably like you know fourteen years since Bill's attic. We've had I mean we've had great guys compete at that spot for us, but we've struggled to actually win medals there. Yeah. and Yanni is a guy that look man, he's had success internationally with his two cadet world championships. He's obviously had success domestically now that he's a two time NCAA champ and two tries with only one loss and his collegiate record in two years. This guy, I mean. He's got ice in his veins, Ben. But ice I thought he was a year away. Veins. I thought he was a year away. I didn't. I wasn't. Exp- I mean, as a probably, let's see, he's a sophomore. I don't know if he took the gray shirt. Let's call he did him, not. He did not take the gray shirt. Let's call him 20. Shirt. He did not take the gray shirt. Let's call him 20 he's years still old. junior age eligible. Yeah, let's call him 20 years old. To go out there and put a whooping on Frank Molinaro, who. Former Olympian. Yeah, who, who almost medaled at the Olympics. Correct. Wrestled for a medal and then smoked Jordan Oliver, who. I mean, people thought, you know, he could potentially be the guy, right? I mean— J.O.'s been wrestling phenomenal since he came back from that little break uh, due to the whole suspension or whatnot. Phenomenal. And then he beats him—he texts him. And now those two train in the same room. You know what was crazy about that match, though? Like, first of all, to me, it it was really interesting to see how— Yanni D used some kind of unconventional freestyle scrambling to get out of. I mean, J.O. was getting to his to to his right leg at will. Oh, that's that sweet single. Match. Yeah, that it was sweet easy. single was there it was at easy. will, and Yanni was able to scramble out of that a lot of times. He even turned some of those into points for himself. It's almost like he wanted him to be in that leg. He. <laughs> it, it goes back to the Jerry McKenna. It, yeah, I like Yanni is so comfortable. With dudes just in on his legs, like his scrambling ability, his he's got like the sixth sense. It was so so interesting to watch. Sixth uh, sense is a way to put it, man. He stood on his head at one point. Wasn't there a moment? I think and it then, might have been against Molinero when Molinero legitimately had Yanni's leg on his shoulder, no, and on, Yanni gets the push. Yanni out? gets the push out. He circles in with one leg on Molinero's shoulder and gets Cir- the push out. And circles in, and then get, makes Molinero go out first. It's it's not. You're right. Everybody calls him an alien, and I know we're not saying anything else by being it's not human, but he's not human. The, when he stood on his head, and I think it was took down took down Oliver with, like, he just grabbed both of his legs as he was on his head and somehow 
funked out of that. And not only that, but Yanni scored off his own attacks too. Oh, yeah. That was the interesting part to me was, all right, we all know that Yanni's extremely hard to take down, and he's going he's gonna to turn your shots into points, but he turned his own shots into points. That and, first takedown against Zane Rutherford, that elbow tie, that elbow bind to a duck to that single. Textbook. Arm, it wasn't even a knee pull. It was more like an ankle pull because right. he got so low on it. It was, it was amazing. And I mean, and that was when you go back and watch that match against Zane, watch all of his matches. Yanni is so comfortable wrestling from that outside control, that elbow bind, sure. and it's he like you said, he does it in textbook fashion. I mean, yeah, I, I said I said that it's textbook, but honestly, I'm not even sure it is because I don't know if it's something you can teach. John Smith would be proud of that. Yeah, John Smith would be proud of that, but I'm not sure Yanni's style is something you could teach. And the fact that the way he scored his final takedown against Zane, you know, again. Taking taking what was given to him in terms of uh, uh, counter offense, I think that there's going to be some scouting reports against him, and I, and I think we see a lot of people at the World Team Trials shoot a lot less against him and make Yanni engage. But where I, I think that that's not going to help, I don't think it matters. Is that Yanni can score off his own shots, and that's what I wanted to know this weekend was can Yanni also score off of his own shots? We know he's going to be able to put people in bad positions off of other off of their shots. But he was able to score off his own shots um, in th- in the three straight matches from the quarterfinals on against elite level opponents, against guys that have all had success on the world stage. I'm not sure that he isn't going to be. I thought he was a year away. I think he's probably going to be a rep this year. I'm not sure this son of a gun doesn't go out and medal this year. Well, one thing that he did, Ben, that nobody can dispute is he set himself up in the most advantageous position of all because this was a weight class where we did not have a world medalist last year, so he won the U.S. Open, which by default makes him sit. It it advances him all the way to Final X. He sits until these other guys have to navigate the uh, the World Team uh, Trials Challenge Tournament um, to determine who's going to face him in that best-of-three series. Um, Look, Yanni, again... He's got that success internationally. He knows how to win against foreign competition. He knows how to win domestically. He uh, His offense is phenomenal. His defense is phenomenal. The guy's got ice in his veins. He lives for this. Um, I really, truly think, and this is just not recency bias, that even with uh, great guys like a Jordan Oliver or Zane Rutherford who's you know going to be competing at that weight class, I really do think we're starting to see 65 kilog- kilograms solidified for this country, and I think Yanni's the guy. Yeah, and Yanni could be the guy, um, and we're going to see um, from an international perspective a beat the streets, which we'll get into later. But he's facing Bajrang from India, so I think that that you know that'll be a good test. Yeah, former world silver medalist, right? But even if he doesn't win it and Zane Rutherford wins it, I still think that there's medal aspirations there. Agreed. I, th- I think we've got between. I think Molinero may be cutting a little bit too much weight. I'm not sure that he's. You know, I'm not sure that he's going to be a contender on 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 the ladder for the, for this season. But I think your top three between Jordan Oliver, Zane Rutherford, and Yanni Diakmahalis, who I truly believe can, because you know we watched that match with Yanni versus Jo, and I know it was a tech fall. He got in and got some laces. Jo can flip it. I think he I think he really can. I'm not sure he will because he's got to get there and then beat him two out of three. But I think all three of those guys have the ability to medal on the world stage. Um, I probably trust Yanni the best to do it. You know, speaking of J.O., Ben, um, I think J.O. is wrestling very well. He has been wrestling very well. And I'm going to be honest with you, and this isn't a slight against a guy who's won medals on the world stage. Um, After this weekend, and I even felt this kind of coming into this weekend, but after this weekend it just kind of 
it, it reaffirmed it for me is that I really do think that it's time to see a change at 70 kilograms. I'm surprised that J.O. isn't trying yes. to be that guy at 70 kilograms because we saw him. Didn't he wrestle Chimizo at 70 kilograms? Yeah. Yeah, and performed very well against him. It was last year, right? Uh, beat the streets last beat year, right? Beat the streets right? last year, yeah. And yeah, it was close. Yeah. It came down to like a final little correct, little, yeah, uh, yeah, takedown. Exactly. Um, I don't think the James Green that we're seeing now is the James Green that we saw win those world medals. Um, I think it is time for a changing of the guard. I think you, you know you kind of saw a little bit of that this weekend when, and we'll get into this some more when Ryan Deacon takes James Green out. Uh, Green also had a very close win against Jason Nolf, but I'm surprised Jo isn't trying to go take that spot at 70 kilograms. I don't think the weigh-in rules and his weight management that we've seen him, you know, kind of perform over the last few years is conducive to him wrestling 65 kilograms for us. If yeah. anyone, it goes back to Yanni. Here's a guy that wrestles 141 during the collegiate season. 65 kilograms is easy for him. That's 143 pounds. Everybody else is cutting weight. Yanni's not cutting that much weight to maintain this weight. That's right, and I, and I, and I think that shows that it helps. You know, maybe the only thing I can think about is the reason why J.O.'s going 65 is because it's the Olympic weight, and he's trying great to set point. him up. Great because point. remember, if you, medal at the, if you medal at Worlds, you get a bye to the finals. Correct. No, great point. Yeah, so I'm thinking that's probably his plan. Maybe he's thinking, now, man, i got to suck down again for World Team Trials. Huh. What are the rules? And then final yeah. X. What are, what are the rules about me maybe going up to seventy and wrestling to that World Team Trials tournament and seeing if I can can't make a team? So he never made a team. Here's the here's the thing. When is the World Team Trials tournament? It's got to be coming. So next weekend is going to be. Um, uh, it, is it May third? No, it wouldn't be May third, would it? I don't know. Uh, May 17th? Yeah, May 17th in Raleigh. May 17th is the World Team Trials. Okay, okay. That's right. I'm thinking May. So, because Final X is in June. Right. Okay. So, you're thinking, man, I I don't know, Ben. He was was sucked out. He was sucked out. But, you know, let's not lose sight on it, man. Yanni Diakamahalas, I can't believe it. I mean, I guess I should believe it, but that dude ran the gauntlet too, right? It wasn't just like he beat Zane or he beat J.O. or he beat Molinero. He beat Molinero in the quarters. The dude ran the gauntlet, and he was untested until he wrestled Zane. Yeah, I mean, this is a weight class that featured guys like uh, I, Jay Nyerman, um, Bryce Joe Meredith, McKenna. Joe McKenna, Joey McKenna. Uh, Jason Ness was at this weight class. I think Jason Ness finished third, didn't he? If I'm not mistaken, he did that dude? He hey, the ageless wonder, baby. Right, Frank Molinero. I mean, <laughs> and then you just got you know random guys like Kane and Storm, Bernard Futrell finishing out you know seven, rounding out the top eight there. But this was a very very loaded weight class. Again, it goes back to we've had great guys at this weight class in the past. We've just struggled to win medals. Molinero was a great representative. Zane Rutherford is amazing. Jason Ness, another guy. Uh, Ironman, the only guy to give Yanni a loss in, in, in college right now, and for him to basically run that gauntlet and do so in the fashion that he did. I mean, sixteen to five over Jordan Oliver, really? Eight to nothing over Evan Henderson. I don't know the way he was able to come back in that match against Zane Rutherford because you know he jumped out to that two to nothing lead. Right. Rutherford tied it up, then took a four to two lead yep. late, and then Rather- er, Yanni was able to get that that the tying takedown, right. and then the winning. I guess he would have won off a of criteria, but he's able to get that takedown and take then down. another one at yeah, the end. I mean, J- or Zane shot right. It's just it's very impressive for me to see a kid that's as young as him. And let's face it, he is young. He is junior age level still. 
Ex- so, very young. Last time we saw that happen was Kyle Snyder went after his true freshman year, went out and won Worlds. I can maybe compa- compare that to this. I, I'm not putting the. I, I wouldn't. It's put not it out of the realm of possibility realm. that he actually wins worlds this year. But I do look, Ben. I think you're right. I think you made a really good point earlier. Is that we're going to get to see? We'll get a better indication of where he's at on the senior level circuit um, next Monday at Beat the Streets, New York City, when he takes on former uh, world silver medalist uh, Bajrang from India. Uh, I think it's going to be a great matchup. Uh, both guys are extremely fun to watch. I know you're excited about it, so it'll give us a better Yeah, I mean, I tell you what, if Bajrang shoots on him a bunch, give me Yanni. Because Yanni's, there's nobody, maybe David Taylor, maybe David Taylor that's better of scrambling and making their points out of other people's shots in the world. I don't know. I know. I know. But there was a lot, <laughs> I know, Yanni was the story of the day, but there was a lot else that happened to beat the streets that I thought, or excuse me, the, um, at the U.S. Open that I thought was great. You know, starting out at 57 kilograms, Dayton Fix, NCAA, or NCAA runner-up, goes on and he reverses his match at Final X last year against Thomas Gilman, who was a world silver medalist in, I think, 2017. And Dayton Fix beats him 8-4. to four. Yeah, so I think these guys, you know, like you said, they, they competed against each other last year at Final X. Um, I'm going to tell you, Ben, my, my, my gut tells me that this is unsettled. I think we have a lot left to see Agreed. between these two guys. But it, my gut also tells me that I think we've got a really – Really good rivalry brewing on the senior circuit and Gilman and Fix. And how how more uh, fitting could it be than you've got an Iowa guy and an Okie State guy right. battling out for I the like same that. spot yeah. on the senior circuit? Um, you know, Gilman never won a college title. Obviously, won that silver medal on the World Championships right outside. You know, right after college, taking on the young guy Dayton Fix, who's won medals at the age group level um, ad nauseum, and then goes out takes down Gilman this year at the U.S. Open. I got a feeling these two guys are going to see each other in Final X, and I think it's going to be a battle. Yeah, I think it's hard to pick against anybody else uh, besides Gilman making his way through the World Team Trials um, Challenge Tournament. Um, to or Excuse me, he gets to sit in the—no, he doesn't get to sit in the Challenge Tournament. You're right. No. Yeah, so he's going to have to make his way through the World Team Trials Challenge Tournament and then win that to go see uh, Fix at Final X. Um after what Gilman did to Tomasello, I mean, that was criminal. What he did to him, Tomasello got um, cautioned out. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean basically. It was uh, ugly. It, it was, it, he was up to like 8-0, and Tomasello got cautioned out. Had nothing for him. I have never seen Tomasello look so lost on a wrestling mat. He had absolutely nothing for Gilman. And not only that, Gilman looked bigger than Tomasello. When can you say that somebody looks bigger, bigger and stronger than, than him, though? I mean, Gilman's. We've talked about this crazy. so much. Though, like, Gilman always looks so big, but never seems to struggle with the weight cut. That's mental toughness, mental fortitude right there. He beat the hell out of Tomasello. Tomasello did not look good. Now, do I think that, you know, Tomasello's just getting back on the mat after a couple injuries? Remember? The torn ACL, then he hurt himself again at Midlands when he was wrestling this year. Do I think that Tomasello might have something to say about maybe making the World Team Trials Finals or um, making Final X? Sure, but the way that Gilman handled him, it's hard for me to say. Give me Dayton Fix and Thomas Gilman again in the uh, Final X, best two out of three. I have no clue who's going to win that. I think if you're just picking Dayton Fix because he just beat Gilman 8-4, to four, off of recency bias, I think that you're you're being a little short sighted. Let's go back and watch what Gilman did to fix last time they wrestled. I think he beat him two zero in the final X, two matches to none. Excuse me, not two zero. Um, Was it two matches to none? Yeah, okay. I don't think Fix took one. Uh, maybe he did, but I can't remember. Okay, but I know that obviously Thomas or Gilman was our rep. 
the one thing I will say about this match, though, between the two of them, um, I was shocked with this match. I actually, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch the action this weekend. As I we said earlier, I was on a camping trip with my daughter, but I went back and watched the finals matches. Um, Dayton Fix really controlled this match from start to finish. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Now the match was close for a stretch in time, and then it got blown open at the end. Um, I think the final uh, the final score was eight to four, and Fix got two points off a last second attempt by Gilman. Um, but so basically, Fix scored four points at the end, you know, rather easily there. But in my opinion, he controlled this match for the most part. Um, I'm very curious to see how Thomas Gilman responds to this, you know, mentally and and preparation training wise, physically and everything. Um, Gilman is a competitor. We know that this spot. 57 kilograms has been his since he exited college. I'm really curious to see how he responds mentally and whether or not he's ready to relinquish, really relinquish the spot or not. I don't think he is. No, I think that he's going to have something to say about who's the rep there. And I think that both of them have a chance to medal at Worlds. I mean, we've, we've seen Fix do it on the age age level, um, uh, you know, in the age level uh, brackets. And uh, Thomas Gilman's done it on the senior level and age level, I think, as well. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. 61 kilograms is always a weight class that just really baffles me because, one, it's it always seems to be these guys that you don't think are going to win come out and win the weight class. And, yeah. and two, it's who really wants to own this spot? I, I, we've seen it flip so much. Um, obviously, we got Joe Cologne sitting in Final X waiting for the challenger to come out there and face him. Um, and we'll have Nashawn Garrett, who didn't wrestle in the Open because he's already qualified um, by winning uh, the team trials last year, because remember he was the um, he was actually the rep, and Cologne came in as a substitute. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so those two I think are probably going to be your dudes. You know, I think the uh, Cody Brewer, uh, an amazing wrestler, Nico Megalutis, he freaking beat Corey Clark ten zero or ten one. But I'm not sure either of these dudes are going to make a, a huge run at the world. I, I'm not sure either of these dudes are going to end up being a final X. I, I don't know, Ben. I, w- I would not actually put it past either one of these guys. When I look at these two guys, um, it absolutely amazes me to see these guys. Um, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Uh, 10, 21, 32. These two guys basically outscored their opponents 62, 63 to 2 on their way to the finals. That's domination, man. Oh, yeah. The, the, at this type of they're elite. That's domination. Those guys are elite. Cody Brewer, you know, has it in him. You know Nico Megalutis has him in it. I don't think Nation is that. I, I'm not going to pencil Nation in as that guy. I, I'm just not willing to he do that He was a rep last year before he got hurt. Okay. Uh, man. I what have know. you seen from him other than that to say that he owns a spot? Yeah, you're right. He you're struggled right. since he left college. I know. I'm not, I, I, know. I just can't sit here and say between you know, a conversation between you and me that, that Cody Brewer and Nico Megalutis are outside of the, the, the conversation because of Nation Garrett, who's actually, who showed me zero since he's been out of college. Nico we Mega love Nation. I do. Nico Megalutis. No, we both do. We love Nation. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying we do, but really, man. I hear you. Nico Megalutis is freaking a financial advisor by day and like a wrestler by night. And he beat Corey Clark 10-1, to 1, and it was ugly. I watched that match. Nico Megalutis lived on his legs, and he was able to finish low-level attacks, um, which are harder to do in freestyle because you got to worry about getting rolled through and crotch left. He fi- crotch left. He finished them perfectly. Um, you know, Cody Brewer is a guy that he's actually making the move down to Virginia Tech, you know, because he just took the uh, Virginia Tech assistant coaching job. Right. So, you know, that's a different training situation for him as well. But he, he's had something to say there. But I'm, Cody Brewer, I think, has beat Nation 
Nashon once in freestyle since they've graduated. Nashon's pretty much owned that series. It's probably going to be like a Nashon Brewer. I mean, if you look at this and it just goes by the way it did here, it's going to be Nashon and Brewer to determine who wrestles Cologne in Final X. The match between Give me Brewer Nashon. and Mega Lutus was close, Ben. I know. I mean, up until uh, obviously up until the fall, you know. But I mean, when Mega Lutus was the one seed, damn. No, I I, I crazy. get that. Hey. How about Tony Ramos losing to the other Iowa Hawkeye, Corey oh, Clark? Man, man, that dude can't catch no love from Iowa. He he needs to pull Logan Steber. Just call it call it yeah, a day. Say, you know what? I'm a coach. I'm, I'm going to do all these other things, but I'm done. I'm it, a coach. Hey, Ramos, similar to Steber, both made some world teams. Steber had a lot. Steber had more success. He's got that world gold. Ramos hasn't done anything like that, but it, it's time. It's time for him to take them shoes off and leave him in the middle of the mat. Uh, I mean, I actually agree with you there, Ben. I think it is time for Tony Ramos to hang it up, man. I, I, I it, it is what it is at this point. If Logan Steeper can hang him up, it's time for Ramos to do the same. Hey, but they used to have some pretty cool battles in college, baby. You know what? I mean, Ramos can hold his head high, man. And you know what? He's going to be a great collegiate coach. So it's, it's not a disrespect to him. It's just, you know, with with the weight class, I just don't see him making a team. So. 70 kilograms, man. We talked about this a, a little bit already. Uh, James Green, who's been a staple at this weight class for, it seems like, you know, forever by now. Um, I think he's a two-time world medalist, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Gets taken out by, by Ryan Deacon, you know, of Northwestern. Of all uh, people. Former junior world silver medalist, I think, uh, three years ago. I think mm-hmm. 2017. Um, was, a, was a collegiate All-American this past year for Northwestern. And then navigates an extremely tough bracket as the sixth seed i'm sorry as the 10th seed to take out james green in the finals eight to six i I don't even know what to think about this like i don't even know what to think about this part of me is like i can't get excited because it's ryan deacon and part of me is like this dude just went out and won a junior silver medal a few years ago this just my college fanboy you know mentality right right well i mean deacon also had to beat pantaleo and he beat uh chambo in the quarters and jason chamberlain is a guy that uh, was in Final X last year against yeah he, against, James, against Green. James Green. Look, he beat the two seed, the the six seed, the one seed. Um, uh, yeah, I mean Deacon had a hell of a tournament, a hell of a tournament. Now, you know, Nolf and Green, Nolf was up, and then you saw a little uh, against uh, James Green uh, in the semifinal, six to four, and he got taken down on the edge when he should have just given up a push out, and he would have won that match. So I think that Nolf has a little bit to learn from a freestyle perspective, but if he does. I think he can be dangerous on the um, the world level as well. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, imagine. Okay, imagine you're telling me Ryan Deacon's beating Jason Nolf in the finals. If if Nolf sneaks by Green there, I don't see it, man. I think that. So this is another weight class where there's nobody sitting in but, final X. But again, Ben, I think this is where you and I have to separate and differentiate between collegiate wrestling and freestyle wrestling. All right, Nolf also had to come back from six to nothing down against Pantaleo uh, for third and fourth. To beat him in the last ninety Great seconds, point. okay, and he did. Don't get me wrong, he did. But if Pantaleo had a just a little bit different of a strategy, he should have been able to shut Nolf down for at least ninety seconds, not give up. You know, I think what eight or nine, eight or ten unanswered points there in ninety seconds. I think Nolf has a lot to learn when it I was comes just to freestyle to wrestling. Not just a little. He's got a lot to learn. You, you know, he's got the skill and the talent to beat guys like James Green, but to do it consistently, consistently without giving up bonehead moments, or I don't want to say bonehead, but no, it was a bonehead moment. Moments where you would scratch your head and say, "Really, man, freestyle." I I'm not sure if I would do that. That's a bonehead moment, man. The fact that he got taken down at the edge, you don't have to walk that back. That was exactly right. I um, 
I, I, I like that you brought up the learning curve because I think he's got a lot to learn in freestyle. Now, if anybody can do it, I think it could be Jason Knopf. I, I don't think – put it this way. I don't think Brian Deacon is our uh, world um, – Representative at, at um, seventy kilograms this year. You know, and, and honestly, Ben, it's hard for me to argue with that that point with you. But a few years ago, when I saw Deacon go out and win that spot at the Junior World Team Trials live, and I was like, "Who is this guy? He just looks like a big dude at sixty five kilograms." Right. And then he follows that up with a world silver medal yeah. that that year. Um, Maybe he you is. Know, again, you just it, it's he is. we we got to get that college bias out of our mindset when we're evaluating some of these guys at this level, um, especially when it comes to guys like Deacon and Jason Nolf. Just my opinion, but. Deacon is going to sit at Final X, mm-hmm. okay? Um, it'll be very interesting to see who comes out of that because it's not like James Green – I'm sorry, it's not like Jason Nolf going against the field to challenge James Green. Now you got guys like Nolf, you got guys like Green, Pantaleo, Chamberlain, all of them yeah, Pantaleo, thrown together. I mean, I think his style might actually fit freestyle pretty well. He's had, he had a pretty darn good tournament. Um, I wouldn't count him out to at least be on the ladder for, for a little while and um, – you, you know, make a U.S. team. You know, maybe not the world team, but, you know, be, be in the top three to make the team. Uh, uh, you're right. So in the world team trials, who are we going to have? We're going to have Nolf's going to be in there and Green and Pantaleo and Chamberlain or all, and Kolchiski are all going to be in that bracket just to, just for the privilege to face Ryan Deacon, as funny as that sounds. Right. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I mean, if there was one guy at this tournament that set himself up better than anyone else, it's Ryan Deacon. Oh, by yeah. far. Yeah. He, I mean, here was a weight that was open because we didn't have a world medalist. Winner gets to sit to final X, and you've got former world, multiple-time world medalist James Green. You've got one of the all-time collegiate greats in Jason Nolf, and then a, a whole slew of other tough guys. And here it is, Ryan Deacon. Comes out on top. The Mothman, sitting baby. In final, the Mothman. The Mothman prophecy, Sitting in baby. final X. Hey, good for him. Absolutely. Hey, nothing we could say on this Mike's going to make it any difference, so so good for him. Just because I don't think that he necessarily is going to be our rep doesn't mean that he can't be. And you're kind of actually getting me excited about Deacon now. Uh, maybe he is our rep. Maybe he goes out there and maybe he does what we didn't even expect him to do in the junior stage and wins a medal on the senior stage. You tell me that can't happen? I think it can. No, I think it can. The I way mean- USA is now, they're like, Whoever makes the USA team, I think, has a chance to medal. Because we were like, ah, last year, you know, we're kind of weak at 61. I don't know if we're going to get a medal. And Joe Cologne just goes out and freaking kills it. I'm telling you, the way United States wrestling is right now on the freestyle stage for the past couple years, they won it two years ago, Mm -hmm. took second last year. Anybody we send out there has a shot to win a medal. I truly believe it. It's so funny that you bring this up, and I'm just going to go off on a little tangent real quick. Um, Is that Brian Murphy? Was Brian Murphy in that weight class? Damn right, Brian Murphy's in that way. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I just saw Brian Murphy. He's still standing on one leg, baby. (laughs) No, but um, I was thinking today, like, all the success that we've had at not only the senior circuit, but also the age group level, cadet, junior, and then the women's, you know, uh, women's level as well. How much of an impact have these RTCs really played in that? To me, I think they have had to have played such a huge role in this. Think about all these kids winning medals at the age group level that are going to these RTC practices in the summertime. You can't tell me that doesn't help. No, I, I think that it is, it is played a significant impact. In fact, it's the best thing that the United States has done. Instead of requiring these people to go out to the Olympic Training Center, not make a ton of money, um, and um, train together, we're allowing these guys to be on – 
to be um, RTC athletes, make some money. Now, I know it helps the big schools and not so much the small schools, but we're allowing these guys to actually make money, good money, to train and only wrestle. And when they do that, we keep more of our best wrestlers in the sport rather than going somewhere else, and that's what's happening. We're having really, really uh, accomplished wrestlers from college sticking around the sport longer than typical, and what that does is that only makes the brackets deeper, it raises everybody's level, and for that reason, I think that we are having, and not only that, but I think that the overall emphasis of cadets and juniors that we've we've been doing, we finally sending re- legit guys out there year to right, year to year. Right. That's getting them experience wrestling on the world stage. You know, if you're a cadet or a junior medalist, odds are that you're facing guys in five years that you were facing in the cadet and juniors. So you're you're having that um, you know advantage of already being there. So the uh, the renewed focus on cadets and juniors and the RTCs have made the United States go from a middle of the pack country to a top two top three team or country year in and year out at the U or, or um, at the world. I think you and I feel the same about that. Uh, 74 kilograms. Uh, Isaiah Martinez wins this again. I think this is the second year in a row that he's won this. I think he was only one of a couple of guys to actually win this two years in a row this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Imar and then the other one would be, I'd have to look. I, I yeah, I can't remember either, but you know, Imar, he, it's, it's a rematch between him and Jordan Burroughs, right? Well, Excuse me. Imar sits into the um, World Team Trial Finals. He doesn't get a bye to um, the Final X because obviously we got the returning gold medalist in the weight, or no, excuse me, returning bronze medalist in the weight class in, in uh, Jordan Burroughs. So um, I, I'm not. I mean, it's Jordan Burroughs' weight, right? Until proven otherwise, yes. I mean, I, yeah. Until proven otherwise. Absolutely, yes, especially when you got guys like, uh, you know, Deeringer wrestling at 79 kilograms and whatnot. Um, I don't think we've seen anybody enter at 74 kilograms who's a threat to knock off Jordan Burroughs in the last couple of years. Isaiah Martinez is definitely not. No. I, but I, until I, a guy like, until a guy like, one, a guy like Deeringer makes the drop and shows that he can beat Burroughs, or a Dake. guy like Dake makes the drop and shows that he can beat Burroughs. There's nobody that we have that's shown that they proved that they can beat him. Well, Dake's got Dake's got one option next year, right? I mean, it's drop to 65, or excuse me, two options: drop to 65 or go up to 70, or excuse me, drop to 74 or go up to 86. And I think that's probably going to drop to 74. He went up to 86 a couple years ago and lost to Jaden Cox. Um, a lot does, of people were wondering why Deirdre didn't drop not, this year. But okay, so look again. I'm not haven't been following things super closely, so if it's been you know mentioned or rumored, I, I I've just missed missed it, but. I think we may actually see Jaden Cox go up to 97 kilograms. I mean, the okay. word on the street is 86, but yeah, that, that could definitely Does happen. Does Dake not go up to 86 then? It depends on, I think, he's going to know where Cox is going beforehand. And if Cox goes up to 97, the guy at 86. Or does he go down and take a shot with JB, who at the last time they competed against each other, I mean, it was close. It was, but he, the guy at 86 who just won Worlds and looked really good doing it, it's never beaten Jay or never beaten Dave exactly Kyle, Kyle Dake. never beaten Jaden Cox either or Jordan Burroughs I know struggles I, in it's domestically sucks. it sucks that that there's only six weights for Olympics but that's that's a conversation we can get into later how about Jared Frader making his comeback he was like what our rep in 2004 did you hear what happened yeah he made Makai Lewis a bet that basically yeah. said if you win an NCAA title I'll wrestle at the U.S. Open yeah. so freaking Makai goes out and wins the 
Yeah, he was like, yeah, you know, I don't think you're going to do this. He was rooting against them at the NCAAs. This ain't a haircut, man. This is like, you got to go out and wrestle. Not only does he go out and wrestle, but he he wrestled like seven matches in a couple days. He beat Wick. He beat like, he beat some other, dude, he came back and beat Wick on a really, Wick took him down and had the match won. And Wick was trying to gut him, and he like slipped his arm out and head and armed him from the bottom. Like Frick. just such a like an old man. Old set. man. You know, he Wick, might as well step on the shoe and t- hey. shoot a single leg. <laughs> when he did it, he looked up into the. He looked up kind of like at his coaches and like smiled and kind of laughed when he put, put Wick in the headlock. Almost like he baited him. Like he was like, I'm gonna use the least amount of energy possible and beat him. Such an old man move. Jared I love Frayer, it. our 65 kilogram rep. You know, like I don't know how many years ago, wrestled up at 74 kilograms. Takes seventh at the U.S. Open. I love it, dude. When and no offense, I mean, look, you know, I, Wick's got obviously a lot of juice left, and he'll have something to say about some world teams later on in his career. But the fact that Freyer just used some old man trickery to beat him when he did it and looked up, I just couldn't help but kind of chuckle. Like, yeah, that's what I used to do to those kids when I was in the high school room when I was super tired, just fake them out. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. Good for him. And good for him to pay off that bet. And he looked, he looked, he definitely looked like he could have been wrestling in the Masters division. No offense. Do you think Imar is really our second best guy at this weight? Does he even have a chance to unseat a guy like Jordan Burroughs? I, and I, I'm yes asking and no. seriously. Yes and no. And I mean that is, yes, he's the second best guy in our weight. I mean, he's an amazing wrestler. Um, he, I mean, outstanding wrestler. He's great to have in the, um, as, a, as, a, um, as a guy on the ladder. And no, he can't unseat Jordan Burroughs. That's, right. I mean, in, unless... Jordan Burrow's got a couple years left, right? Eventually, he showed, eventually he really showed could, no sign of slowing right. down. Eventually, it will. He's like the Tom Brady of wrestling right now. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, it will. Eventually, he'll slow down. But right now, no, he doesn't have a shot to unseat him. All right. 79 kilograms, man. It's Dake's weight. Deeringer goes out and just freaking dominates, dominates this weight class. I mean, God, he looks so good this weekend. I'm not even sure he gave up a point, did he? Deeringer, Deeringer. No, he I, did not. Deeringer could um, win a world title. Deeringer could win a world title. And it's just, it's awesome. <laughs> he only outscored his opponents 53 to nothing this yeah. tournament. It is awesome that we have guys. It's awesome and it sucks that we have guys like this that are uh, second on the ladder. This is what Russia does. This is what Iran used to do. This is what all of the best countries that win Worlds every year do. Is they have guys that are second, third, fourth, fifth on the ladder that are going out and beating world medalists. And Derringer's done that. Derringer's beaten world medalists. He is amazing. He is perfectly fit for the 79-kilogram weight class in terms of size. And he'll give Kyle Dake a great match. Probably the toughest match Kyle Dake will have all year. Agreed. Um, he might be the second best guy in the world. I think we're discounting um, a guy by the name of Valencia that could compete at this weight class at yeah. the World Team Trials. Well, he's going to be at the World Team Trials, right? And he, he well, and I'm not talking Anthony. I forgot. I, no, I, I forgot that Valencia beat Derringer last year, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. So, so let me take it back. Derringer is the third best guy in the world at this weight, and he's also the third best guy in the country. <laughs> well, what, with what Kyle Dake did last year. Oh yeah, Valencia gave him his didn't toughest. Give up match. a single point at Worlds. Right. Valencia gave him his toughest match last year, and that was at the final X. How about Matt Feinsilver taking fourth of this week class? Matt Feinsilver from Duke. That yeah, shout out, shout out. That man. was that was kind of a surprise to me. No Scrappy. offense, no offense, but that was kind of a surprise to me for for Matt. You know, he's one of the the lesser known. Fin- he's not Mitch, right? Mitch the All American, but Matt. You know, I think that he um, does. He have another year left? Or oh yeah, he's got two years. Yeah, left. two years. Yeah, he he gonna get on that podium. So shout out to him as well. 
All right, 86 kilograms. Uh, Well, Pat Downey is still alive. He is not dead. And he is dropping dudes on their head, a.k.a. dumping Nick Heflin on his dome. Jeez, man. He, you know, I think that that move to the uh, New Jersey RTC was so good for him. I think it was really good for him. He's really, he's really a different person. And and he shows that when he trains, and he's not just walking the disc golf course, that playing basketball, yeah, that, that that he could actually be a pretty damn good wrestler. Now, I'd love to see you in some of those cornrows like he's got. Yeah, I wish I could. It would just be all mullet or it'd be all skullet, baby. You, you'd so rock a skullet. I would rock, dude. I will. I'll, I'll go bet out there right now. Can we make a bet? Can yeah. we make a bet? Yeah, if Let's you win, if you win NCAA's next year, I'll go rock a skullet. <laughs> I got, no, I got no eligibility. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just no, saying. it's got to be a reasonable bet. You got some eligibility left. Not a D one. You never enrolled. I did too. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. Fuck your clocks. Your... My, my clock's done gone, dude. <laughs> Man, Matt. My biological clock has run out. <laughs> <laughs> Miles Martin blew that match. He was up seven to zero. Yeah. What a. F- what a person that makes me upset. Like, come on, Miles. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, you know, if they wrestle again, who knows who wins? Miles Martin, for a significant period of that match, looked like it was a. Dominantly better wrestler Where he probably would have won I'm not sure he's not the Number one contender to face David Taylor But you know Neymar? what Yeah but give Pat Downey He was better than Pat Downey for four and a half minutes But give Pat Downey his due He took him down and gutted him up Look I think you I think you said it perfectly there Give Pat Downey his due um, When I look at these results One I'm happy for Pat Downey Pat Downey has been a guy who's He's talked a lot of stuff not always backed it up, but when he puts on a show at these tournaments, he's done so really well. I think last year at the U.S. Open, when he when he came out of nowhere, he gave you know beat Gabe Dean, beat right. a couple other guys, you know, really put on a show there. The, the, the thing about it is though, if there's one, if there's any guy in this weight class who I don't think is going to give David Taylor a match, and I think it's more mental than anything, it's Pat Downey. I think Nick Heflin is the guy that has a little more mental fortitude to go out there and give a guy like David Taylor a match. I think Pat Downey, based on what we've seen. Uh, from him when he's competed against him in the past, walks out on the mat like he's already beaten. You know what I mean? Like right. he's just happy to be there against him. Yeah, Taylor teched him, teched him up. I think it was really, really bad. Yeah, and Heflin's the one that body-locked Taylor twice and had a close Gave you know? him a match. Yeah. but uh, And that match was real. Look, the match was extremely close between Heflin and Downey before, you know, I think Downey got a, a late takedown and then dropped him for four on his head um, off of a Nick Heflin inside trip as they were going out of bounds. Um, to really blow that match open. Right. I mean, Downey set himself up sitting in the finals of World Team Trials, but I, I'm not guaranteeing that he's our final X rep, but he definitely got as good of a chance as anybody else to get there because now Mymar is going to have to make the World Team Trial Finals, which means he's going to have to beat a guy like Heflin. He might have to beat a guy like Sammy Brooks who he's never been able to beat, you know, just to make the World Team Trials Finals. What Martin did was a big disservice to himself if he actually wanted to make final X, make a team, get that pay. Remember, top three get some pay. They get funding for the next year. I'm not sure that's possible. Pat Downey's already done that. He set himself up really well. So, props to Pat Downey. I guess them disc golf courses do work. How about Kenny Quartz? Going out there placing seven. I think <laughs> Kenny Quartz has placed at more senior tournaments than he did collegiate tournaments his entire Ooh. four or five years in Yeah, college. he's got a renewed sense of urgency, I think. So, uh, that's really all I got to say about that. You know, <laughs> he ain't hanging out with Drew Stone anymore. Right. You don't remember that, do you? No, I remember Drew Stone. He was a college wrestler. No, you don't remember when uh, 
at the WrestleOffs. We were up there. We were at the WrestleOffs. I remember. And uh, Cody Magrum was announcing the WrestleOffs. And he said that his best friend was Drew Stone. <laughs> I, I remember. That's all I got to say about that. Okay. Drew Stone was a wrestler for Ohio State. 92 <laughs> kilograms, man. I'm very much looking forward to the match between Bo Nickel and Jaden Cox. Yeah, people were saying that Bo Nickel and Machiavelli were going to be a thing, and I'm like, no. How was that going to be a thing? It's not going to be a thing, dude. Bo Nickel... But Bo Nichols got a shot to beat Jaden Cox, in my opinion. Now, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think he's got a shot to beat Jaden Cox. I mean, th- those two are so far and away the uh, the top contenders at 92 kilograms that it's not even – I mean, there th- th- couldn't be more of a gap in any other weight than, than Bo Nickel and Jaden Cox versus their field. I don't disagree with any of that. I really do think that Bo Nickel and Jaden Cox is going to be a match. I think Bo Nickel is better – prepared to take on Jaden Cox than David, than a David Taylor, in my opinion. And I, I'm just comparing those guys because both coming from the Penn State program, um, both may end up having to wrestle Jaden Cox uh, eventually for an, uh, an Olympic spot for 2020. But Do um, you think size might play a factor? I mean, Cox is bigger than Nickel, in my opinion. I mean, I know it's 203 pounds or whatever, but, you know, Nickel wasn't But I think Nickel's bigger 97. than David Taylor. You think he's bigger? I think Nickel's bigger than David Taylor, Ben. I really do. Bo, Bo Nickel know. is all ass and thighs, man. If you, you really pay attention, no, I just know because he's, he's not like I know he's not like tiny. A yeah, I he get that. Look like Jaden Cox, you know, glistening in the light with sweat all down his body, <laughs> sweating out his butt crack <laughs> like a freaking crazy man. No, but yeah, look, it's gonna be a thing, and we'll talk about it, you know, at some point in time. But I think Bo Nickel's a bad matchup for anyone. Anyone, That's a great point. Regardless of style, because who's a good matchup for him? Because he's one, and I think we touched on this before. He's so great conventionally with singles and high crotches and things like that, but he's also so great unconventionally with all the funk and throws and all the other stuff that he throws out there. That he's just a bad matchup for anybody that he wrestles. And I think him and Jaden Cox will be a thing this year. I do think that Jaden Cox wins that match. I think Jaden Cox is one of the best guys in the world, period. Well, he won but, it last year. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> you know? uh, but I do think it's going to be a thing between the two of them. Yeah, Bo Nichols, unconven- or Bo Nichols conventional style wrestling is so underrated. We've said it on the podcast how many times. His lefty high crotch is... It's great. I mean, it's, it's elite. It, it, it's, it's beyond it's, elite. It, and, and Bo Nichols is elite. And it'll, it's going to be a great match. And it might even go three. Um, but give me Cox. You I'll know. give you cocks. Yeah, give me them cocks. 97 kilograms, man. Yeah, come on now. Kyvan Gadsden, I, look, I, I think we all, like, this weight class was a little, left a little bit to be desired, in my opinion. Um, I think we all know it's Kyle Snyder. Ben Hannes made the finals he after did. taking a eighth place finish at the NCAA tournament. This ain't college wrestling, Ben. Yeah, I, don't, no, I don't know what to tell you. This I know, ain't college wrestling. No offense to Ben Hannes. Kenny Courts took seventh in this tournament. The dude has done way better than I ever have in my life, but... Kyvan Gadsden has shown that he is the second best guy in the weight class. He did it last year. I think he did it the year before. He's going to go out there and he's going to get teched by Snyder in two matches. Right? I mean, that's what's going to happen. You want to place a skullet bet on it? That he's teched in two matches by Snyder? Yeah. Okay. Skullet bet. Skullet bet. I'm not growing a skullet. I'll get fired. <laughs> Why would you get fired? Isn't that like against the law to discriminate against the bald guy? <laughs> no, we're not a protected <laughs> class, buddy. Title Damn se- it! Title seven does not protect short, chubby, bald guys. What about Title eight? Title eight is not a law. 
Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Title IX also doesn't protect it. Short chubby ball guys. <laughs> Short chubby balls guys do not fall under Title IX. I can guarantee that. How about Danny Chade taking third? I, what? <laughs> You're like, let's not go too deep into these brackets. Man. I didn't know what else about to say. Danny Chade. I didn't know what else to say, man. All right, and then lastly at 125 pounds, <laughs> Talking man. about Danny Chade. <laughs> Adam Kuhn. Am I going freestyle or am I going Greco? He's going both. He's going both. And it's going to be awesome. And I can't wait to watch him and Gwizdowski wrestle. Yeah, they did it last year. And we all thought that – I shouldn't say that. We, I mean, I, I, we both picked Wiz. But we right. all thought that we're like, hey, if anybody can beat, beat Kuhn, it's Gwiz. I'm not, I'm not sure. What if we anybody can is, beat Gwiz, it's Kuhn. Yeah, beat Gwiz, it's Kuhn. And Kuhn is so big. But remember, Gwiz was able to get it on the legs and finish. Something Lots. that nobody else was able to do. Yeah. Kuhn. I think it's the same thing. I think Kuhn goes out and I think he wins a medal in Greco. Like he did, he made the finals last year. I think he's going to do it again this year. Um, and I and I love it. And I think it's so admirable that Kuhn is going to wrestle both styles. It's cool. We need more people like that doing that. But you know, I think hey, Kuhn set himself up. He's not going to have to freaking break a sweat um, in either world team trial. You know, and, and in fact, I think he's in final X already for Greco, and he's going to just be able to chill. So now he's going to be able to just focus on freestyle for that tournament, sit in the World Team Trial Finals. He's going to wrestle some guy that's not going to be able to beat him, and then it's going to be him versus Gwiz. It's going to be fun. It'll be good to watch. All right, man, we're already running a little long, so let's transition over. to we got the big Beat the Streets event coming up May 6th. That's a week from this Monday, a week from today that we're recording this. Um, here in a few minutes, we're going to actually bring on Beat the Streets communications coordinator, Alex Williamson, to talk about a little bit about the event. Um, dude, Ben, I'm super pumped about this lineup. I'm really bummed out that we couldn't go this year. I had it planned to go, but unfortunately to me, for me to go, I was going to have to bring my wife and my daughter and it just, you know, paying for myself is one thing, but I can't pay for that. <laughs> yeah. Then I tell you what though, it's a great lineup, man. It's awesome. It's, it's, I, and they, 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 they covered all bases. I mean, we got, we got women's, we got elite level women's wrestling. We got elite level cadet or junior age wrestling. We've got some of the best senior level guys. Uh, from our country, we got some of the best senior level guys from other countries competing at this tournament. Um, I'm really excited to watch this, and I know we've talked about it already. I'm just going to say it again. I don't think there's two matches. Obviously, the two marquee matches in this lineup is going to be uh, Yanni Diakamahalis against Bajrang Punya from India, who previously yes. took a silver medal at the World Championships, and then obviously the marquee kind of. Uh, uh, Kind of headliner, headline, or, yeah. you know, superstar match of the night: Jordan Burroughs versus Ben Askren. I can't wait to see oh, that my one. Goodness, Ben Askren's a freaking—he's a lunatic for wanting going? to take on this match. He's gonna have to fight here soon in the UFC, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll wrestle too." That that just shows you that I think Ben Askren supports the sport, and he's a great ambassador for the sport. And he's got an ego the size of his head. Good and, and balls is bigger, yeah, and I like it. His testicles. Are large. I guarantee they're large, and they probably got an afro just like his head. And anyways, besides that, besides talking about his testicle hair, that dude is like, hey, I'm undefeated in MMA. I want to see if I still got the goods to wrestle. He truly thinks he probably can go out there and beat Jordan Burroughs. I know he he's thinks that. He's got a plan for him. He's not going to take a match, whether it's fighting or wrestling, that he doesn't think he can win. Can he? No. I don't think he can win against Burroughs. I don't know, man. He's bigger than Burroughs, right? 74 kilograms. I think that's about what he fights at. There ain't no way 
Ben Askren's making 74 kilos, though, for this. Have you seen you Ben know, Askren? Dude is the total... There's weight allowance. But I know, but he's like the total epitome of the dad bod. Oh, he like, is honestly, the dad bod. He, yeah, he, he, I look better than him, and that's saying a lot. I, I, I'm getting pretty damn close to looking better than him. Like, that, that's saying an embarrassing amount. Ben Askren, and I mean this with all due respect, is like pushing Froghorn Leghorn. <laughs> style like so let's talk, so let's <laughs> let's talk wrestling that, that match real quick we don't got to break them all down but all right jordan burrows he gets to his doubles he wins that match but he doesn't that, that's not his main shot lately his main shot is a lot, single of, leg. single legs. a lot of single legs you you start getting the single legs with him you start you're going to see like a yanni the hockeyman style stuff where it's ben askin is going to let you in on his legs and try to score from there Jordan Burroughs has just been doing this for a living for so long that it would almost be disrespectful to think that Ben Askren has a shot to beat him. And he doesn't, in my opinion. But I think that he could make it interesting. And I think there will be at least one exchange where we're like, where Jordan Burroughs gets rolled through or something happens to where um, Ben Askren scores a four or something like that. And it's going to be really neat to watch. Honestly, Ben, I, I, I'm excited for this match. And I agree with everything you said right there. I will tell you this. Ben Askren does have a shot to beat Jordan Burroughs if he can put him in a really funky situation and pin him. If he doesn't pin him, Ben Askren's right. not winning this match. Hey, Ben Askren, but best you know pinner of all time. He could, he could legitimately pin Jordan Burroughs off of a Jordan Burroughs attack. I'm not calling it. I don't think no, it's going to happen, no. but it could happen. It's going to be a great match to watch. The other one, Ben, uh, Yanni D, Bajrang from India. Um, again, we said it earlier. I, I think Yanni is the truth. That's what I'm calling from now on. He's the truth. And We're I gonna think find this out. match is going to show us like how close he is. One thing I will say is I do think that Americans tend to perform really well in these style events where there's not a lot on the line. Yeah, and you know? not a lot of travel. There's exactly. not not a huge weight cut. Exactly. Um, so with all that in mind still, I still think Yanni is the guy at 65, and I can't wait to see him go up, up against a guy, one of the elite-level guys in the world. Man, Bajrang is... He's fun. He kind of came onto the scene. I mean, not, he didn't come onto the scene. He's won, he's won medals... Um, you know, at either the Asian Games or the Worlds. You know, he, he's been around for a while for India. Um, I think it would be a little disrespectful to count Bajrang out. Not uh, counting I'm, him out, yeah, no. No, not you. But, you know, us, you know, we're so hyped up about what Yanni just did. At the People World. see India, they're like, what? Right. They're not seeing Iran, Russia, Russia. things like that. But this guy was legitimately yeah. a, a, a world silver medalist, I think, 2018, and, if I'm not mistaken. And an amazing wrestler he's extremely fun to watch i think the thing is though he's he's got great offense the problem is yanni wants you to shoot so i think that if yanni can get if yanni can engage bajrang to um to shoot and he's going to be able to put him in some unorthodox positions that bajrang hasn't felt because yanni uses a lot of folk style level scrambling in his wrestling a lot of the foreigners aren't used to that just because they've never felt it this could be something where Yanni could pull the upset, and it would be an upset if he beat Bajrang. Oh, of course. Okay. But Yanni could pull the upset if Bajrang puts himself in bad positions. Now, again, this is this is an exhibition match, and um, it, it, and I'm not sure how in shape either one of Yanni's going to be in good shape. Bajrang, I, I, I would assume, is going to be in pretty decent shape, but none of them are going to be in world world tournament shape. You know, um. I think see that's I think Yanni will be because he's prepping to make the world team. I think yeah, he's still got to do it. He's a young guy who's looking to prove assault on this circuit. Um, I think for him, he has more to gain out of this match than obviously Bajrain does. Um, 
I think it's going to be fun to watch. It's really interesting to me how well Yanni is able to use his hips to shut down other people's attacks when he's in positions that we would consider a, a given two for, for anybody else. Bad you know I mean? positions. Bad positions, but he's able to find this way to utilize leverage in his hips and leverage these funky, funky situations that you see guys start to bail out when – when, when you're looking at it thinking, man, all you got to do, it looks like all you do is just cut the corner there and you'll finish his takedown. But you see guys start to bail out. Right. The dude, I mean, he was on his head and he scored off of an Olymp, <laughs> Olympic wrestler. Um, I, I, that's going to be an amazing match, if, if only because it's going to tell us where Yanni's at. And props to Yanni for taking that match, especially in a year where he's trying to make the world team. Shout out to him for doing that. Another match that I think is, is going to be really, really hype, you know, Nikki Fish Sticks, Nikki Kneecaps versus... World third last year, Joe Colon, who'd just beaten Bone or Bon, excuse me, from Cuba, who was a uh, world champ last year. They oh, wrestled. Uh, was he a world champ? Yeah, silver medalist. No, he was a world champ. Bon was a world. Bon was a world champ, and he. Um, they wrestled in the I think the semis last year, um, and Bon beat him. But uh, Joe Colon was Nick Seriano. I think a lot of people are going to be on the side of Nick Suriano. People are loving a Nick Suriano. A lot Suriano. of people love to follow college wrestling, and a, a lot of people place a lot of emphasis on college wrestling results. Um, Joe Colon is a guy that's only gotten better since he left college, and he's actually yes. been able to do something that we haven't seen done in a while, and that's kind of hold down the 61-kilogram spot, uh, albeit a little unconventionally because he's not the guy that you would expect of all the guys that we've had compete at this spot, but he's done so and he's done so well. Um, give me the, give me the experience and the savviness of a guy like Joe Cologne going against the young, you know, kind of the young pup, the aggressor, Nick Seriano. Right. And I don't think Nick Seriano's wrestled freestyle in a long time. You know, he, he, he's not a guy that's won a bunch of age level world medalists in freestyle. Yeah, he's great, but give me the guy that's won a senior world, um, Medals or senior world medal, and B, give me a guy that knows how to wrestle freestyle a little bit better in the parterre situations. Okay, if Joe Cologne gets a takedown with the gut wrench that he has, he could easily end a match real quick. I mean, it's the best gut wrench that the United. There's nobody better on top. There's nobody better in the parterre position in the United States than Joe Cologne. There's not. Maybe Burroughs lace. Burroughs got a great lace, um, but other than that, Joe Cologne's gut is is is. is it is elite. It's world level. I mean, we've seen... Dayton we, Fix has a nice gut, too, with that trap arm gut sure. that he's got there. Sure, he does. But I do agree with you. You know, another interesting match, and I think we kind of forgot about this a little bit ago when we were talking about Jason Nolf and Ryan Deacon uh, and James Green, Schnulty. is the match between James Green and Anthony Ashnall. Now, listen, Anthony Ashnall didn't wrestle this weekend at the U.S. Open. He didn't have to. He's already qualified Great for the World Team Trials because he went out and he won the Pan American Championships in his first time wrestling freestyle, and I don't know how long, and he did it in dominating right. fashion. So and I think, he was an NCAA champ, which qualifies. Correct. So I think... I think this is going to be a very interesting match. One, I want to see how James Green responds after losing to Ryan Deacon at the U.S. Open. And two, I want to see how Anthony Ashnault follows up his Pan American Championships against a match with James Green. Against the two-time world medalist. Both of these guys are going to be in that bracket in May at the World Team Trials. Great. We and forgot it's about be, it. It's, we did. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see where they stand. Yeah, I think that, dude, the way Anthony Ashnault wrestled this year, he had a really good. I know, I know it was NCAA's. But he had a really good year, and he, 
he's another guy that's definitely going to be knocking on the door on the ladder to making the U.S. team, to be in, be in top three at the World Team Trials. Yeah, I think... 70 is, kilograms is wide open. Yeah, ben. I think this is a great match. Honestly, the way James Green wrestled, wrestled last week, now he did beat Nolf, I, I think Astronaut has a shot. I'm not going to disrespect Green by saying that I'm favoring Astronaut because I'm not, but Astronaut has a shot to beat James Green, and that's something I might not have said you know, four or five months ago. Had I have not just seen Anthony Ashnaut go out and dominate his way to a Pan Am Championships like we just saw him, and I grant it, look, it's the Pan Am Championships. It's not the World Championships or the Uregan or anything, but still, it's an elite senior-level tournament, and he dominated his way to the title. I would say, mm, I'm not really interested in this match, but because he did that, we saw how he, what he can do freestyle and freestyle. I think this does have the potential to be a fantastic match. A lot is on the line this weight class here over the next four to six weeks be very interesting to see and then look i would be remiss if we didn't mention a match between jordan oliver and joey mckenna two guys that are going to be battling for the right to take on yanni at final x that's right don't count either one of them out you know joey mckenna had a a u.s open that he would like to have back there's there's no doubt about that but but he was also our final x representative along uh, against logan stiebert last year right the guy was a junior world silver medalist he knows how to wrestle freestyle medaled at u23 as well didn't he yeah i I think he took third. Yeah, you're right, bronze. Don't count him out. And you know what I'm excited about as well? Anytime we get to watch Sarah Hildebrandt and Mallory Velty wrestle, it's just going to be fun. Sarah Hildebrandt last year, uh, senior world silver medalist, uh, Uregan champ this year. Uh, Mallory Velty, I think, took third last year in the world. Finally broke through and got that world medal last year, bronze yep. medal. So, and we're going to get to watch them wrestle some of Canada's best. Um, this is just an amazing card, guys. Please watch and watch it all. It's going to be so much fun. All right, so let's go ahead and get uh, Alex Williamson, um, the communications coordinator, I believe, for Beat the Streets New York City on the phone. We want to talk to her a little bit about uh, this event, what goes on to putting on this event, um, what goes on to setting up some of these matches. I don't know. We're excited to talk to her. We hope you guys are excited to listen. You got anything else, Ben? Sounds great, man. All right. uh, This has been episode number 96 of the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast. We hope you enjoy what Alex has to say. And as always, don't wind up on your back, fellas. Alex, hey, how you doing? I'm well. How are you guys? Uh, we are doing good. Hey, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, obviously, we got this big uh, event coming up in New York City, Beat the Streets New York City, coming up next weekend, I believe, right? or next Monday, right? Is that the 6th? A May week 6th? from today, yeah, May 6th. Exactly. So, Alex, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you are actually the communications coordinator for Beat the Streets NYC. Is that correct? Yes, that is my role. Awesome. So, you know, I know like you, you're from Iowa originally, right? Yes. Okay. And, uh, you've been, you've been involved in wrestling for a long time. I think you were the, uh, the director of operations for Campbell university this past year. Is that correct? Yep. I, uh, I've been in wrestling for, I think this is my 10th year now as a, some professional role within wrestling. Nice. Nice. So if you don't mind, can you just take a minute and tell us how you ended up uh, in New York city for beat the streets? Yeah, of course. Um, so I, like like y'all said, I spent the last season at Campbell University as their director of operations. And uh, unfortunately, that position no longer exists, but I was lucky enough that uh, I went to college at Warburg, uh, Warburg College, which is a big wrestling Division three program in the state of Iowa, and had a teammate from uh, back when I was at Warburg who was actually our programming director uh, out here at Beat the Streets, and he'd been here for five years, 
and they had an opening right as the NCAA tournament was wrapping up and it was an opportunity I just couldn't pass up. It's really great work what we're doing out here. Plus, New York City is not too bad of a place to live, for sure. Yeah, I was going to ask that. So from Wartburg, Iowa, to Boys Creek, North Carolina, to New York City, that seems like a, a, a huge jump. Uh, g- give me a little bit of, about the culture assimilation it's taken um, for you uh, to get used to New York City. Yeah, so um, actually when I was living in Iowa, uh, my last stop in Iowa, I was living in Des Moines. I was working at Grandview University um, as I was in their admissions department, but I was working specifically as their wrestling admissions liaison. And uh, so that's like city standards by Iowa, you know, (laughs) but like not anything close to this. Um, But when I was in Bowie's Creek, there was like, I don't know how familiar with Bowie's Creek y'all are, but the only thing in Bowie's Creek is Campbell. Like, people don't live there. It's just a school. Um, so to move here has been completely different. I live in New Jersey, actually, so I take either the bus or the train in every day. Uh, but it's a lot nicer to be near things. It's a heck of a lot louder here. Right. Uh, but it's a little different, but it's been... I don't know if I've really had time to assimilate. In the month I've been here, we've been planning this massive benefit. So I'm sure eventually I'll get around to doing the the tourist stuff and actually settling in. But for now, we're pretty busy. Yeah, I'm sure you'll have plenty of time to do that stuff later. You know, so... Talk to us a little bit about Beat the Street organization in general. It's a nonprofit, correct? Yep. So we are a nonprofit 501c3. Uh, A lot of people don't really know what we do the other 364 days a year that we aren't having the benefit. Um, But we are a nonprofit. We're located in Midtown, but we serve all five boroughs of New York City. And we offer uh, basically a range of different things. We have about 3,500 athletes within all five boroughs that either come to our practices, uh, go to our training centers, compete under Beat the Street as an organization. We provide these kids with practice facilities, with shoes, with gear. We pay tournament entry fees. We help. Our goal really is to provide like a lifelong positive impact on these kids through wrestling. Um, We do more than just wrestling practices with them as well. Uh, Our kids are all required to do SAT prep with us. They do regions test prep. We have internship programs with a variety of different companies throughout the city. We really want to get these kids transitioning into the best possible phase of life. And if we're able to do that through wrestling, that's awesome. All right. Yeah, that that sounds great, actually. So uh, one of the questions I've always had, and I guess it's a shame on me for never asking anyone, because I'm sure it could be easily answered, is what is the difference or is there a difference between Beat the Streets New York City and Beat the Streets L.A. and Beat the Streets Chicago? Yeah. Is it all like one entity under you know the same umbrella organization? Or are you guys mm-hmm. all separate entities under the same umbrella organization? Or is it, I don't know. What is it? Yeah, so um, we do have a Beat the Streets National and we uh so beat the streets new york was the first entity um and we've been around for quite a while but uh as you can see it's spread throughout the country and we are international as well um we actually were just meeting with beat the streets toronto at gotham city girls last weekend 
Um, but there is an umbrella of the Beat the Streets National, and then we all are underneath of it. So there are a lot of Beat the Streets locations now. Obviously, L.A., Philly, Providence, Chicago um, are some of the larger organizations, but they are spread, are spread around the whole country now. I just want to say that, I, I, we, you know, speaking for Brandon and I, we both think that what Beats the Streets does is absolutely amazing. To give underprivileged kids a chance to be involved in the sport of wrestling when potential uh, monetary issues could um, get in the way of that traditionally is, 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 is nothing short of amazing. Uh, we really appreciate everything you guys do. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's interesting to see the dichotomy in the world of wrestling of – I guess coming from Iowa, I was very blessed that like wrestling is everything right. in the state of Iowa. We don't have professional sports, so we have wrestling. Um, but the kids here truly like they appreciate the sport so much solely because of the opportunities it gives them. It puts for some of them, it genuinely gives them a reason to like go to school and make sure they're passing their classes and put food on their table and, some of the coaches within our programs are so dedicated to these kids. I just never really grasped it until I was here. Well, and that's that's also what wrestling does. I mean, you know, you know, the fact that they have these types of standards like SAT prep to be involved is is great. But the fact that they're gaining um, all of the tangential benefits outside of actually the sport of wrestling by wrestling is amazing, right? I mean, you know, wrestling teaches people a lot, a lot more than just how to hit a single Mm -hmm. leg. So I think that that's great. But what we're all here for, Beat the Streets, Grapple at the Garden 2019. Yes. First off, give all our listeners an idea of what goes into putting on an event like Grapple at the Garden. There are so many things that I wish, like, everyone knew about putting together this, this event. Well, here's your uh, chance. So this year, things are yes. This year is very different than every year, every other year previously. Uh, we're indoors for the first time, uh, and that has presented some incredible hurdles to jump and some new adventures. We are under 200 tickets left. We are going to sell out Hulu Theater at Madison Square Garden. Wow, which is incredible. Um, we last year I was about a thousand people were there. And we passed 3,000 in general ticket sales a few days ago. Uh, and our, with everything, it looks like almost 5,000 people are going to be at this event, which is unheard of. It's incredible. But putting the matches together is such an adventure. Um, <laughs> I would be lying if I didn't say it was one of the more stressful things I've ever done. Uh, but it's been great. I'm really excited about the card we ended up with. Uh, the matches are – I'm excited to see them personally just from a wrestling fan standpoint. But I think it's really going to do something special to – for a lot of wrestling fans live within the scholastic collegiate competition space and trying to bridge the international fans with our collegiate fan base. We're really one of the few organizations that has the ability to – put these weird fantasy matches together. Um, And we did have to stray a little outside of the theme, but I think the matches that we have are going to be definitely worth leaving that initial theme that we set. 
So, Alex, real quick, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just want to take you back a second. Did no, hear, go ahead. Did I hear you say correctly that you that this year the Beat the Streets New York City is endorsed? Indoors, like oh, inside indoors. Oh, indoors. Okay, okay, okay. I thought you said indoors. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, indoors. no. I mean, someone wants, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Okay, great. Um, what? <laughs> I thought you said endorsed. Words are like, I am so confused. <laughs> no, yeah, we're inside. Gotcha. We're not, it's not going to rain. So, uh, what was the so. decision? What was the uh, what? What prompted that change? I know, you know, I think it was last year. You know, it was that was last year the the, the wet mat situation with uh, Jordan Burroughs and Chimizo yeah. and all them. The weather <laughs> is that what prompted that change for this year? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so when we look at locations for. For all of this, there's yeah, go ahead. a lot of different things. We wanted to do iconic locations in New York. And we kind of hit a lot of the iconic outdoor locations. So it was about time we went to the arena in the center of the world, as they call it. And Hulu Theater, if I'm not mistaken, is where they used to have like a bunch of boxing matches back in the back in the glory days. Yeah, right? it is an iconic boxing venue. Yeah. So it is actually underneath MSG. Yeah, what? yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I when I went and walked around the first time. And is it traditional like, like the th- big circle arena? Is it traditional like theater yeah. style seating? You know, like uh, like if you were going to go see a play, it's not like uh, 360, 360 no. degree seating, right? So uh, the way we have it set up is that there there's a stage in Hulu, but that is actually going to be the warm up area. Um, we've built a separate stage out on the floor um, that they will be competing on. So there honestly, like, is not a bad seat in there uh, just because of the way that it's built. It's, you think in a, like, in traditionally Madison Square Garden, it's a very, like, steep, tall building. Yeah, that that is correct. Whereas Hulu's pretty flat out. Yeah. It's definitely leveled up, but every seat in there is, there's no obstruction. There's no pillars or anything like that. It's a really awesome space to be in. Um, we will have their seating on all four sides of the mat um, this year. So that's going to be a fun, different environment to be in for sure. We initially had it on three sides, but people just keep wanna keep wanting to buy tickets. So we've we've added more as we went. Oh, very cool. Very cool that you guys were able mm-hmm. to actually have the option to do that. So if you don't mind me asking, um, when did Beat the Streets New York City get started? Let me double check because I want to tell you the right date. <laughs> uh, so this is the 10th version of the benefit in this form. So are, is, are you guys so, hyping this as like the 10-year anniversary or anything? Well, so we we had done benefits in other variations prior so uh, we've been around since 2005 so okay gotcha all right so so you mentioned a a little bit ago that you know organizing it is is really hard and you know putting the card together is really hard and i think we all want to know a little bit more about that so what actually goes into organizing this not just the event but what goes into organizing the specific matches for the event Well, so every year we've kind of had a centralized theme of what we want the matches to at least look like and what framework we want to stay within. In previous years, it's been USA versus various countries. Um, And this year when 
so they luckily I got here right after the theme was decided. <laughs> um, so I didn't have to do any of that. But you look at, okay, this is the, the framework of the matches. So Team USA, NCAA champs or NCAA wrestlers and what looks what can come from that would that would be really entertaining to see. Um, so there's obviously some matches on the card that are identical to what the theme is, and sometimes we get to be a little creative because we were not going to pass up Yanni versus Bajran. Like, not at <laughs> no all. international no wrestling fan would ever want to see that passed up. Um, so we were comfortable to kind of stray outside of the exact guidelines that had been set for the theme. But a lot of it's just uh, making phone calls and seeing who's willing to, to, you know, step up and take the match. Uh, and it's never going to be a perfect situation. Uh, there's always going to be dream matches that we want that unfortunately just don't pan out. We are in the middle of a, you know, a cycle getting ready for right. for the world team trials here. And we're going to definitely understand that too. Like these wrestlers do have other things to consider and things like injuries happen. And sometimes you just need a break after the NCAAs. So yeah. It was an entertaining process, and the matches that we ended up with and the matches that we started with aren't exactly the same, but we're really happy with where we are. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of a question that uh, some people have had on Twitter. Was I think there was the announcement prior to the event that it was going to be world team members versus NCAA champs. Was, it, was that prior to the – or excuse me, prior to the NCAA tournament? Yes. So that was right before the NCAA tournament. I mean, is there any thought or any uh, maybe we shouldn't have put that out beforehand? Because it looks like we're only getting three of those matches. And, you know, I know a lot of people want to know what happened. Why, why aren't we getting more of those? I, I understand the um, the match with Yanni, but, you know, we're not getting a lot of the other ones. And is there, uh, you know, kind of what happened with that? We can put requests on the table. And unfortunately, if it's just not the right timing for the athlete and, you know, that's, we get to just work from that. So, yeah, I, I can understand how that would be challenging for you guys. I would have to think yeah. that some of these, in some of these situations, you might be looking at an NCAA champ who has actual legitimate aspirations to be the next world team member. So, do they really want to? Yeah. Do they really want to give the current world team member a look at them beforehand? Did you guys face that at all? And I, I guess when I look at this lineup, I'm probably specifically asking that question when I, when I think of 92 kilograms with Jaden Cox and, you know, a potential match with Bo Nickel. Uh, yeah, I'd say I, that match, and I mean, there were definitely matches that we wanted to happen that unfortunately just didn't pan out. But I would, especially with how Bo looked at the Open this weekend. I mean, right. Well, I, I got it pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to commend you guys for, you know, for the hur hurdles that you ha have to face and everything. The lineup that you guys have put out seems like a very, very entertaining and exciting lineup. Um, it looks like you guys have uh, basically covered all bases. We've got, you know, you know, cadet slash junior level matches. We've got women matches. We've got, you know, men's senior level matches. I think it's going to be a great event going on. Um, mm -hmm. How important is it to the organization to, to get women's matches on this card? Women's wrestling so is growing, are, you know, yeah, obviously exponentially in America right now. So I'm just curious, you know, how important was it for you guys? Yeah, no, we, um, in past years, we've always had women's matches on the card and we want to continue that strong tradition. Um, 
among our staff, we are actually majoritively women in our office. Um, so that's really exciting. It's the first time within my wrestling career that that's been the case. Uh, and it's a really fun environment to be within. But also we have Emma Randall as our girls program director. And she was, she is arguably one of the best coaches in the world. And, it's, you know, she was the female team assistant coach. And having her presence on our staff really encouraged us to, to keep growing in those regards. We just had Gotham City Girls um, last weekend, two weekends ago now. And that was, we had 621 athletes competing in New York City. It was an all-female tournament with five countries represented, world team members there. Uh, so Beat the Streets is, yeah, it was huge. It was very exciting. Um, but Beat the Streets is always pushing to have more involvement in women's wrestling. So a question that I want to know, how the heck did you guys land Ben Askren versus Jordan Burroughs? That thing, I mean, that is just such a, <laughs> such a strange matchup. Ben just seems like a guy that just, you know, he's like, hey, I'm up for a new challenge. And, you know, Jordan Burroughs, I've never seen him back down from one. But tell me about how that happened. And we want to know some details. I don't want to hear the coach speak of, oh, it's great. He committed, blah, 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 PR stuff. <laughs> how the heck was this landed? That one fell into our laps. I'm not going to lie. We're excited about it. It's been an adventure every day. Personally, as a wrestling fan, I cannot wait to see how it works out. Uh, but yeah, no, that that just kind of stemmed. I got to from the communications coordinator position. I just spend a lot of time looking at our social media feed, and it started as a suggestion, and then it kind of snowballed, and now it's happening. Oh, so you're saying it was all uh, you, huh? No, I I just sat there and watched other people say that it should happen. <laughs> you saw the video that Askren, you know, kind of released on Flow recently when he said uh, when he was watching Jordan Burroughs as a freshman, he thought he was just some scrub. Yeah, I I honestly, it's just bad that I haven't sat down and watched a ton. I'm, I've caught clips of things, and I'm just excited. Like, I saw the photo of them at the Open, Yeah, and I was like, oh, my gosh that's when it kind of settled in for me that like, this is a genuine thing that's happening and we all get to see them wrestle, which I prior to a month ago, never thought I would see happen. I don't think anybody did. Who reached no, out, yeah, to, who reached out to who did Ben call you up or did Ben's, I guess Ben's people call, call him up and say, I'm interested in doing this. I mean, how did it, how did it come about? Come on. So I, if I was privy to that information, <laughs> Uh, so our executive director, Brendan Buckley, does a lot of the, the match setup, luckily. So he has to carry that stress, and I just put the pictures together and tell people when they're allowed to say that they're wrestling. <laughs> um, well, regardless. But, yeah, no, it, I, that one was a surprise. I'm not going to lie. From my perspective, it was a surprise, a pleasant one. Well, regardless of how it happened, I mean, I think it's safe to say that Beat the Streets New York City got themselves a great match to headline that event that evening. Um, yeah, so I, sure. I, I think you guys have approximately 13 matches on the card this year. You know, which one are you personally looking most forward to? Oh, my gosh, that's so tough. Um, I'm from Iowa, like we said. So I have a soft spot in my heart for the Nick Seriano-Joe Cologne match. Oh, Joe okay. was a coach at Grandview yeah. when I was working at Grandview, and I 
went to school at Warburg, which is 15 minutes from UNI. So I've known Joe for a long time. Um, that one I'm really, really excited about. But I think from a wrestling standpoint, I, got, I can never doubt Yanni. Oh, who could doubt him right now? <laughs> I know, and I'm so excited to see what he can do. No, he going to win. He going to win. Um, Joe Cologne, huh? So I, I, I probably shouldn't even say this because you're not allowed to have an answer to this, but people are actually saying Nick Sirianno's like – could potentially be a favorite or could win this match. Joe Cologne just took third in the world last year and just, I think, beat the returning world champ at Pan Am's. What are your thoughts on that match? I honestly have no idea. So that's oh. a match that, like, I've watched Joe wrestle since he was in college. And, like, he was from Clear Lake, which is not that far from where I grew up. So it's just watching Joe from, like, he was great at UNI. But he just jumped levels oh, yeah. so fast. And I I mean, Nick just had an incredible NCAA and has been training like crazy. Like, we all know that. So I think that's one that I have no clue how it's going to go. And I'm so excited to find out. I, t- I tell you what, it's going to go Joe Cologne take down gut wrench, gut wrench, gut wrench, gut wrench, gut wrench. Those over. guts at Pan Am. Oh my gosh, that guy's ribs have. Yeah, no. I think I think it's going to be a battle of styles for sure. It'll definitely be a great match. Again, look, you guys got a, for sure. a, a lineup, a whole card full of entertaining and great matches. I think it's going to be a fantastic mm-hmm. event. Um, Alex, listen, we want to thank you for coming on, but before we get you off, you know, the, the microphone tonight, I have to ask you, um, what can our listeners or people in general do to help out the beat the streets organization in general? Of course. Yeah. So supporting beat the streets is super easy online. Um, that's how most people engage with us. It's our website is btsny.org. On there, you can find, there are still tickets available for Scrapple at the Garden. They start at $30, um, as well as we do accept donations through our website. And then volunteer, get out and support your small, your local wrestling organizations, your Beat the Streets that is local to your area. Um, they can use all the help they get, whether that's volunteers at a tournament or, you know, volunteering to coach kids. It's those little things that really add up and create a real impact in these kids' lives. Awesome. Such a really, really such a great organization with a great mission statement. And it just goes to help promote this such an amazing event. Um, Alex, once again, we thank you for coming on and giving us a little bit of a preview and behind the scenes look at what goes on to putting on an event like Beat the Streets New York City. Um, I personally am looking forward to watching it on uh, Flow Wrestling next Monday. Uh, wish we could be there live. Unfortunately, uh, uh, it just did not work out for our favor this year. But um, again, thank you very much for coming on and taking the time to chat with us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. All right, take care, Alex. Take care.